Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you, Lord. Well, open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Psalms 23. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 23. Psalms 23, out of the Passion Translation, starting with verse 1, says this, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? The word most commonly used as shepherd is also taken from the root word of Raha, which in the Hebrew means best friend. You have a friend in me. Yeah, I told you, Toy Story, it's biblical right there. I'm just going to tell you right now, you have a friend in me. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Now, I don't know of any good shepherd that doesn't take care of his sheep. Leads them beside still waters. Leads them to green pastures. You know, have you ever seen the staff of a shepherd? It's kind of looks like a question mark. Have you ever wondered why it's got a hook on that? Because here's the deal. The way the nostrils of a sheep is centered on the nose, that's the reason why you have to lead them beside still waters because what will happen is if you have rushing water, the sheep will get in there and they'll inhale through their nostrils. And when they inhale through their nostrils, they may slip and fall into the river. That's the reason why even a shepherd hoons, was that, was it hewns, hewns, hewns out a ewe in the bank so that water could come, right, yeah. to be able to give them drink. Now, if the, the, the staff has two purposeful, well, actually probably three purposeful. The staff, if, you, if a sheep falls into the river... He can reach out with that staff and grab that sheep with the hook and bring them in. If a wolf comes around, he could turn that sucker around and use it as a club. And then also, if he needed to point the sheep in a certain direction, he can prod them. For years, Pastor Marie and I have said this. Years. Your life is like a bowling alley. You're the bowling ball. Pastor Marie and I are the bumpers in the gutter. The only time you feel us bump you is when you're about to gutter your ball. Hello, somebody. Amen. Because those bumpers keep you in the center, praise, so you can make a strike. Can you say amen? That's what pastors are for in people's lives. That's what shepherds are for, and everyone needs a shepherd. I have a shepherd. Pastor Rodney's my shepherd. You know, the other day, I... A pastor friend of ours came up to me and said, there's a person in my church and they're leaving. And I said, oh, man, that's terrible. This is a terrible thing. I said, why? They walked with me and said, because you, you, you pastor in this church, talking about the one that's leaving, the pastor was talking to me, because you align yourself with Brother Hagen, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and Jack Myers, we're leaving. 
And I thought to myself, well, at least I made the list. Praise God. Amen. So I, so I text. I text Pastor Rodney. I told him, I said, I think you'll find this interesting. A friend of mine, da, 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 da. And I told him, I said, at least I made the list. And he said, well, welcome to the club. I said, praise God. Amen. They, call, they called us false prophets. You're with those false prophets, Brother Hagen, Pastor Rodney, and that Jack Myers. You know, I have made the internet list. If you will, if you will Google, how did he put it? Um, he, he called me Anointed Joe. The guy did an open letter on me because he came to a church, and it's actually online. You can read, you can read about this guy writing bad things about me. Called me Anointed Joe and all this kind of stuff. And so you need to put in Jack Myers, Cherokee, North Carolina. And then you can bring up the article, and you can read the article. And, you know, and then he gets, he gets about halfway down, and then he gets over into really weird stuff. Anybody ever heard of um, Preterist Doctrine? The Preterist? Anybody ever heard of Preterist? Let me see. How many have never heard the Preterist Doctrine before? Okay, let me tell you what preter, pre, pre, Preterism is. Preterism is this. Everything that was ever going to happen... From the tribulation period to the rapture to the persecution of the church happened prior to 70 A.D. During the time of Nero. And right now we're living in the new heaven and the new earth. Right now. That's, that's what this doctor, that's what this, I thought we, we got dealt a bad hand right there. I'm going to tell you right now. This is, it, oh, my God. So and then he goes, because he goes into it and he says, you know, because this is what he said. He said he felt led of the Lord to come to this one particular church that I was at and didn't know I was going to be there. And he said, when I woke up this morning, I felt led of the Lord. And I said, well, there's two kind of lords. There's the Lord of heaven and there's the Lord of the earth. Hello. I wonder what woke him up. Yeah. And so he just felt, oh, I knew this pastor, so I decided to come. And, and then he said, you know, I too at one time got drunk in the Holy Ghost. I too at one time had the joy. At one time, you know, I was in the charismatic renewal and all this kind of stuff. And then he said I had revelation and everything. And then he starts really slamming me and calling me anointed Joe and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, whoa, all right, praise God. So I met, I met the, prof, the false prophet list and I've met the internet list. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Yeah, yeah. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or I shall not want for anything because I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Did you know being broke, busted, and disgusted does not bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. Broke, busted, and disgusted does not bring honor to the Lord and what he did on the cross. Why? Because he just got done saying that he's our shepherd and he's a good shepherd and that we have more than enough. I think sometimes we just need to be reminded. Come on now. God's got it. He's got more. Listen, believe me, there's no poverty in heaven, folks. And Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth or in your life as it is in heaven. Come on, hello. I mean, there are some people that think that if you're broke, busted, and disgusted, God's keeping you humble. No, he's not. That's not right. No. Lord, you keep them humble. We, the congregation, will keep them poor. No, I don't think so. 
Not, no, 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 no. I think it's a better honor. Come on, it's an honoring thing that you are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the King of heaven. You're ambassadors on this earth. Hello. God does not mind you having a lot of stuff as long as the stuff just don't have you. That's the issue. When you get to be covetous and you're not giving. Hello. Yeah, listen, sometimes you'll be sowing a lot into other people's lives, but they won't be as generous to you. Maybe because they may not have the revelation, but somebody else will. Because if God can get it through you, listen to me, saints, God will get it to you. If he can get it through you, he can get it to you. And you can rely on all the seed that you've sown. And if you feel that you haven't gotten the harvest on the seed that you've sown, hello, keep on standing. Payday may not be every Friday, but guess what? Payday's coming, honey. We'll tell you right now. You stick it out. When you've done all to stand, you keep standing until the breakthrough. Because you'll hit it. It'll be a gusher too. Praise God. Amen. You'll hit the mother load. You'll hit the main vein. Praise God. Amen. And then you'll be a blessing to others. And you know what? And sometimes you might be tested. Yeah, you might be tested. Because sometimes when people don't have a money, money or finances and their knees met for a long time and suddenly they'll come into a lot of money, it's going to test really where their heart's at. Come on, hello somebody. Man, people are like, well, I, you know, I just wish the Lord would make me a multimillionaire. Man, if I was a multimillionaire, man, I'll pay off the church building. I'll fund crusades. I'll, I'll help people and all that kind of stuff. Why are you tithing now? Well, no, no, no I can't afford to tithe. Well, God ain't going to make you a millionaire because if you're not tithing now, you're not going to certainly tithe when you're a multimillionaire. One amen on that one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's the truth anyhow. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of your life. I'll say that again one more time. I think that was really good. I think it came from heaven. Hello, somebody. Your belief system doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of your life. Amen. Listen, if God cannot try, trust you with unrighteous mammon, how can he trust you with true riches, which is actually the anointing? Oh, hallelujah. If he can't trust you with the true riches, come on. If he can't trust you with... Listen, if you're not faithful with the little, how will he make you ruler over much? And just let me, let me say this. The reason why Christians are suffering so much is because they're not keeping covenant with God. That is the only reason. That is the only reason. Believers are suffering physically, financially, emotionally, and mentally because they refuse to keep covenant with Almighty God because God never not keeps covenant. That is the truth. He is faithful. And if we are faithful to keep covenant, then we are in right relationship with God or righteousness. And because we keep covenant with God, He is obligated but we are also obligated to keep covenant with Him because He has covenant with us. Yeah. And God never breaks covenant. Listen, we are in the New Testament, the new covenant. And along with that comes blessing. Do you think that Jesus' ministry lacked for anything? No. Jesus' ministry did not lack for anything. He had 12 staff members in their families. You don't think he paid them salaries? Hello? Yeah. Oh, you're on your own. Go fishing. You need some money in your pocket. No, 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 no. They, they forsook everything to follow him for three and a half years. Gave up their businesses. Peter and John gave up their business, their fishing business. Come on now. 
I recently found out, watch this, watch this. I recently found out the name Judas was, um, was it Lock, Locksmith. He had the key to the finances. Oh, I thought that was way cool when I found that out. Well, you know, I do study the Word. Can you believe it or not? I mean, I do. I do read my Bible every day. I do. I maybe read it a little slower than others, but, you know, I still read it every single day. Because, you know, I figured out this. We have eternity. So, therefore, why do I need to rush through every chapter? Praise God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's like I put it on the notch of my belt. Well, I read five chapters of the book of Matthew today. Praise the Lord. Get much out of it? No, but I finished it because it's a one-year Bible. And I was determined to read the one-year Bible. You getting much of it? No, not really. But man, I'm running down it. All the these and thous and those and do's and these and thous and don'ts and don'ts and do's. But I finished it one year. You learn a lot more when you read. You know, sometimes what I do is I'll just read a few scriptures, and I start to meditate on them, and I'll meditate them on during the day, and I'll get revelation just out of a little bit of the scriptures that I'm reading. Come on, hello somebody. And then I pray in the Holy Ghost. Can you believe it? I pray in the Holy I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Praise God. Amen. I believe in speaking in other tongues. I don't believe that's been done away with. Oh, guess, guess what? I believe in the gifts of the Spirit today. Praise God. Amen. I believe that. I believe in the resurrection and the life. Can you believe it? I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Hello. Come on, somebody. I believe he rose again. Hallelujah. I believe that we're going to, he's coming back again. Can you say amen? I believe in prosperity. I believe in healing. I believe in all the benefits of the kingdom of God. I think that's good news. I believe in the good news of the gospel. I don't believe in doomsday prophets. Yeah, they came out recently in the last 24 to 36 hours. I don't know if you noticed that or not. California is going to fall off into the ocean. Praise God. Amen. And Arizona will be the new beach. All the prophets came out in the last 36 hours. Yep, yep. We see. Show you. Show you. California's falling off. That kind of mess up God's plan, won't it, you know? There's too many believers in California. Too many covenant keepers in California. California's not, <laughs> California's not falling off into the ocean. <sighs> There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of doctrine that's out there. If you don't believe me, just look at your Facebook feed. Hallelujah. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I shall always have more than enough. Lord, even, the Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you, always, you, for you have always been with me. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all all that I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear in the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever and ever and ever. 
So that is your daddy in heaven. He is a good shepherd. Can you say amen? If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand or on the back of your chair in front of you. You will see an offering envelope if you'll just take one, if you would, please. If you're making out checks, mix it out to Life Family Church. If you're giving by way of debit card or credit card, please fill out all of that. Fill out your name and everything so that at the end of the year, man, we are over past the middle of the year. Man. You know, four days ago was the 4th of July. It's four days ago. Tomorrow will be five days. Man, time is flying by. Fill out your name, credit card number, CVS number, and also put on there your zip code so they can run that through the accounting department. Praise the Lord. If you're wondering what's going on, there's a nursing mother's room over here, and we're going to have, also have a closet, and then we're going to duplicate that over here, James. Praise God. Amen. James has been working on it for us. So... Hallelujah. And this is going to be storage over here and store the chairs in there and things like that. And a lot of good things happening. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Are you all ready to give? Say yay. You're not ready to give? Say nay. All right. If you're one of the Lord's sheep, say amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Got to come with us. If you've never been on a missions trip, you got to come with us. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, tumors disappear. You'll actually get to apply your Christianity. Praise God. Amen. And actually see it work by your hands. Can you say amen? Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk to you a little bit tonight about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. You know, I made mention to you this morning... That, uh, you know, on Sunday mornings, Pastor Marie will put Pastor Nancy on, you know, as we're getting dressed and stuff like that. And she's, she made a comment this morning about Dr. Dufresne. And a lot of prophets have actually prophesied that in this last end time move of God will be an accumulation of every move of God since the day of Pentecost. And so when you think about that, I'm thinking, okay, so you're going to have to go through a little bit of revival history to actually get to the point where we're at today. And it's been 2,000 years. So you got, you know, justification by faith by Martin Luther, right? And then you got the 16th century and the 17th, and you got guys like Charles Finney and John Wesley and, you know, John Alexander Dowie, and you got all these, all these guys. You know, you got the, you got, you got the um, John Wesley, which was a restoration of holiness for the body of Christ. And, and then you got, you know, the 1904-1901 revival, the Azusa Street revival, which was actually a rebirthing of the baptism of the Holy Ghost because, you know, that actually almost came to an end. And that was almost kind of worldwide because at the same time of the 1901 Azusa Street revival, you had um, over in the Welsh... You had the Welsh Revival with Evan Roberts, a 26-year-old coal miner who got converted and became preacher. And so at the same time that the Welsh Revival was going on, then the Azusa Street Revival was happening. And as a matter of fact, the entire country of Welsh was so affected by that revival. Get this, get this. The coal miners' donkeys stopped working because the coal miners quit cussing. <laughs> They only knew cuss words. So the coal miners stopped cussing because they got converted to Jesus and the donkeys stopped working. Get this, the pubs shut down. 
the power of God was so relevant in the pubs, they drink their Budweiser. I don't know how to know Bud makes you wiser. I think it really makes you stupider. They need to change the name of that Bud stupider. Praise God, not wiser. Praise God. They would try to drink their Bud, and they couldn't because of the power of God. And so then you carry on a little bit longer, and then we had World War II, and then you got the, you know, the healing revival, which started like in 1949, that ran for about 10 years, maybe 12 years or so, you know, and that's where you had A.A. A. Allen and Jack Coe and all these ministers and women of God, Marie with Edder and all these men and women of God. And then it, it shifted into the charismatic renewal. That's when people started to break away from denominational churches and they began to open up storefront churches and all that kind of stuff and charismatic. And actually, you know, charismatic renewal actually even hit the Catholic church. And a lot of priests were filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues and it swept through the Catholic church. And, and then we entered into a teaching phase, you know, with Brother Hagin was a part of that. And, you know, Raymond T. Ritchie and, and D.L. Moody and some of these guys, some of these teachers and people were flocking to teachers. And, and then in the late 80s, early 90s, we had the joy restored to the body of Christ and things like that. And we're still kind of even trickling with that even now with the joy of the Lord. And things like that. So I thought to myself, well, if it's an accumulation from the day of Pentecost to now because we're living in the last days, because God always saves the best wine to last, can you say amen? Now that would be an accumulation of everything. So what would the revival look like? It would be holiness. It would be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It would be the gifts of the Spirit. It would be miracles popping like popcorn. It would be an accumulation of every revival, every move of God, and all one big push that goes worldwide. For what reason? To reap the harvest. Now, when we do these miracle healing crusades overseas, we're going to a third, third world. Most of the world is third world. We are the wealthiest nation in the world. We're more wealthier even than Dubai. I'm just going to tell you. Because not only are we the wealthiest due to the fact, but we're also the freest. Amen. Come on, hello. Nothing binding us. Nothing we can do anything. Listen, you can do anything and everything you want in the privacy of your own home, even if it's illegal. It's true. Come on, hello. We have tremendous freedoms. We don't have death squads coming and knocking on our doors. Come on, because you're preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Hello, somebody. We're not in China with the underground church. Where they're water baptizing people in their bathtubs because they can't do it publicly. What about our brothers and sisters in the Lord that are in the Arab nations? That when they're find out, they're found that they go to prison for three years automatically. And then, and then if they're held guilty, they get their heads cut off at a court, courtyard. Come on, hello somebody. And we, we don't understand the freedoms that we have in the United States of America where you guys can get into your car and come to church on a Sunday night. Come on, hello somebody, amen. amen. And so, what will wake America? I believe that the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. Now, there is a famine in the church in the United States of America of the gifts of the Spirit in America. There really, really is. <clears throat> hello somebody. Even though these, some of these churches are huge in numbers, doesn't necessarily mean that they're moving with the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello somebody, amen. Yeah, there's a big famine today. I mean, today we have great orators, great preachers, flashy. I mean, they're almost motivational speakers. And yet we have to be really, really careful that the doctrine is so watered down, it doesn't bring forth change in people's lives. Now, here in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up 
In verse number 10, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice he didn't say all. He gave all apostles. All prophets, all evangelists, all pastors, all to, he said some. <laughs> Just because somebody prophesies doesn't mean that they're a prophet. Just because somebody wins souls doesn't mean they're an evangelist. There's some. I also believe that a local body doesn't need the fivefold ministry in that body. The apostle, well, we're, we're the local everything. Praise God, amen. Well, well but there's Billy Bob over there. He's our apostle. Praise God, amen. And, and there's Betsy Sue over there. She's our prophetess. Praise God, amen. And then there's Brother Juan over there. He's the evangelist. And, and I'm the pastor. Praise God, amen. And, and then my, my wife's the local teacher. So we have the fivefold ministry, so we don't need any visitors, praise God, because we have it all. Praise God, amen. We don't need any guest ministers to come in here because, you know, if we need an apostle, then the apostle will speak. Then my, my question is, who's going to correct who? Praise God, amen. Because if you correct the pastor, you, you might get excommunicated next Sunday. Well, we're kicking out the apostle because he accused the pastor of not watering down the word and all that kind of stuff. And really, the local evangelist has evangelized everybody in our church and hasn't really reached out much. But he's the local evangelist, praise God, amen. And oh yeah, by the way, the old prophet, he said something against the apostle. And it's just it was just not, you know, said that the apostle was involved in things on the internet that he shouldn't have been involved with. Well, we got to get rid of him, and we got to get a new local prophet. Praise God. Well, it's almost like saying, hi, my name is Daryl. This is my other brother Daryl. This is my other brother Daryl. We're the Daryl brothers, and um, all five of us. No, he said he gave some. Some, not all. For what? The perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry. Now, a pastor is usually local. He's at one central station. And the other four are usually traveling ministries. An apostle embraces all other offices, all the four offices. Because an apostle is one who is sent with a message, usually establishes churches. If I were to say something about Pastor Rodney, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, I would probably say he's the apostle of joy, for sure. Like Brother Hagin would be the apostle of faith. Come on, hello. And not only that, Pastor Rodney has started several churches. There are several river churches around the world. And not only that, he's got signs and wonders that back his ministry. Unusual signs and wonders and miracles that back his ministry. So I can honestly say that he is an apostle of faith. He's an apostle sent to the United States of America to stir up the churches for the coming revival. And, and not only that, I think he's a pastor of pastors. Can you say amen? That's, so he's able to embrace. Yeah, he's also a pastor. He's a pastor of evangelists. Come on, hello somebody. So as I would say that Dr. Rodney, now Dr. Rodney would never tell you that he was an apostle, but the fruit of the pudding is in the eating. If it's good pudding, it's good eating. Can you say amen? Or the fruit of the ministry is proof of what he's called to. Can you say Amen. So he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. 
Now, if you would please go over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, whether you know this or not, but on Sunday nights, I very rarely ever come with any kind of notes. We're just teaching by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. So what you're getting tonight is fresh download as I'm actually speaking. Praise God. Can you say amen? So that, I like that kind of thing where there's the inspiration of the Word of God. Not that we don't have notes, not that we don't bring notes, not that we don't come prepared. Hello. But we want to always leave room for the great teacher to teach us his Word. Can you say amen? First Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to read a little bit out of two versions of the Bible. I read actually three versions of the Bible. I read the King James, the Amplified, and I like the Passion version of the Bible. So let me get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the Passion. Praise God. Why do you like the Passion so much? Because it's the Aramaic. And Paul spoke Aramaic. So it's the Aramaic, uh, Aramaic translation of the Word of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, out of the passage says, My fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. The Amplified Version says this, Now about spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy, brethren, I don't want you to be misinformed. King James Version, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be misinformed. I don't want you to be, uh, so that you're, you're confused about the supernatural ability. Now, the gifts of the Spirit in the United States is not taught on a whole lot. As a matter of fact, the Holy Ghost Himself is not taught on a lot. The anointing is not taught on a lot. No, it's a lot of motivational speaking, make me feel good about myself because my life is really clap, crap, and at least I'm doing God's service by showing up on Sunday morning. And if I show up Sunday night, then it'll be a miracle. Praise God. Amen. And then I can say a miracle happened in my life. I was motivated to go to church on Sunday night, let alone maybe during the week. Praise the Lord. I had one pastor tell me, well, what, are you, what are your services? I said, we have Sunday morning. We have Sunday night. We have Saturday soul winning. We have Tuesday night fellowship. And then anything and everything in between. Wow, wow, y'all are really doing a lot. Well, we should go back 2,000 years ago to the day of Pentecost, praise God, amen, and see what the church was doing during that. Every day they were breaking bread and ministering to one another. Every day they were going out and soul winning. Every day they were going out and laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, cleansing lepers. Every day they were doing that. You know, one of the most interesting things for the nine days that we had about 50 missionaries that come with us, they're forgetting everything that's at home, and their sole purpose, their sole thought is in the word, in prayer, in going into churches, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, soul winning, winning for Jesus. That is what the early church did. You, you take what we did for nine days, that's what the early church did. And it was every day they did it. Every day. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are to profit us. They're for our benefit. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that a man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a diversity of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversity of operations, but the same God which works with all in all. So you can see in that scripture, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. So there's the Godhead in all three, and it is He who gives gifts unto men. They're not our gifts, they're borrowed gifts. But once God gives a gift in which you can operate in, He never takes it back. Amen. Somebody said to me, Dr. Jack, what is the best gift? The best gift is the one that's needed at the time. Amen. That's the best gift. So if we had a room full of invalid people, what gifts do you think would be operation? Well, probably the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and possibly even the gift of faith, which is actually the power, power gifts. Now, if any churches that kind of flow in the gifts of the Spirit, they probably lean more on the utterance gifts and probably the revelation gifts. Now, we know that the utter gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, and the revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. I don't know if it's because everybody wants to say something and everybody wants to reveal something and really nobody wants to do anything. Praise God. Amen. Because, you know, to be able to work in the, operate in the gifts of power, you have to have the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. And it's healings, not just healing, it's healings and also the gift of faith. Are you getting this? All right. But all those nine gifts are for every believer to operate in. God wants to speak with you. So this for you have to learn to hear the voice of God. So how do you learn to hear the voice of God? It's very simple to hear the, the voice of God. If you read the word of God on a daily basis, that is his word. Now, I'm not sure if God speaks Elizabethan language with thou. Thou goest outside to get thouest the mail, and thou shalt findeth a checketh, and go forth and to the banketh, and casheth it, and pay all your bills. I'm not sure. I don't think he's talking that way. But what I'm saying is if you want to become familiar with the voice of God, start reading the Word of God. Not only that, put the Word of God in your heart. Amen. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Another way that you can develop hearing the voice of God is by praying more in the Holy Ghost. You are a three-triune being. Just like there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are also a triune being. You, you have your spirit man, which is the real you. You have your soulish man, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and your flesh. And, and then um, you have your flesh man. So it's flesh, mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit man. So you also are a triune being. Your spirit man first. Your spirit man can't sin because Jesus indwells your spirit man. But your mind, will, and emotions, and your flesh can sin. That's where they're all confused about the grace message. They're missing out on the spirit man side of everything. They're, they're, they're coming from, their doctrine is coming from the form of Jesus became sin. Hello. And so for, therefore, grace forgives you of his sin. So therefore, you can go ahead and just do whatever you want to do because you're under grace. But grace doesn't give you permission to sin. Grace gives you permission to overcome sin. And they're, they're, not, they're missing that. They're missing the spirit man part. Because your spirit man can't sin. But your flesh and your mind and emotions can and that's where they're, they're, they're messing up on this grace message thing, you know. I'm already forgiven, so I can. No. No. 
If you know what to do is right and you don't do it, is what? Sin. If you know what to do is right and you don't do it, to him it is sin. Wow. And you can sin in your fleshly man. Now we see the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God that worketh all in all. But the manifestation, watch this, this is very key right here to your spiritual life. It's very key to the church, especially in these last days. The manifestation of the Spirit is given, what? To profit every man with all. I mean, the Amplified says this, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. It profits us when we flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because it profits the kingdom of God. Because Jesus actually made this statement out of His mouth. He said, How will any of you believe unless you see signs and wonders and miracles? How will you ever believe? Now, because in the United States of America we're a first world country and because we have tremendous wealth here and tremendous prosperity here and we have the best doctors in the world here, most people will lean more on the doctors, they'll lean more on medicine, they'll lean more than those in a third world country who can't actually even afford to go to doctors or even buy medicine. So they have to take their faith and they actually have to believe God for their miracle. When you and I, we, if we have a headache, we'll just go get a button, you know, an ibuprofen or something like that. And I think we all done, we've all done it. Come on, we've all done it. I guess we just sometimes it's lazy faith. Come on, you know, we, we all use lazy faith. Rather than take three pills and pop it and go to bed. Praise God. Somebody say amen because you know it's true. Come on, amen. All right, we, we, we just do. All right. But what will it take in the United States of America? What, what, what will bring a shaking? I've said this for two years. We either have another 9-11, God forbid, or we have a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit of God. Did you know that the Apostle Paul faced that when he was in Athens, Greece? The Bible says that he was downtown in Athens and he was soul winning and there was a group of philosophers, Stoic philosophers that came and they heard him talking about Jesus the Savior. And all of a sudden he, they said to the Apostle Paul, hey listen, why don't you come with us to Mars Hill. Now Mars Hill was an amphitheater and it, was, it, it would be like... It would be like our television or movies today. And when you get off work, you know, you want to sit in front of the television, catch up on the news, find out what's going on, or watch your favorite television show, whatever. So when they would get off work, they would all go to this amphitheater called Mars, Mars Here. And about 30,000 people could sit in this amphitheater. And then there would be individuals that would come and tell the latest story, or there would be plays, or there would be dramas, or there would be concerts, and all that kind of stuff. And everybody would spend their leisure time at the of the day when they got off work to go down there. And so all of a sudden they invited the Apostle Paul to come and to share this new doctrine that he had about the resurrection of the dead. And when you read the word, it says that the Apostle Paul stood up and he said, I perceive that you all are a very religious people. For when I walked into your city, I could see all of these idols and I saw one idol or one tablet that said to the unknown God. So therefore, to that which is unknown to you, I explain to you. And then all of a sudden he shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he did a salvation call, the Bible says very few, very few walked with him. Very few received Jesus. And then if you take your Bibles, if you would please, and if you go over to the book, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
Yes. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So remember, just remember the verse we just read about that the manifestation of the Spirit is to profit with all. It's to pro- the manifestation is to profit the kingdom of God. So profit to the kingdom of God is souls because they were purchased with the blood of Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Because of the purchase of the blood of Jesus, the kingdom of God gets profit of the, from souls. Jesus looks at souls as profit to him because of the kingdom of God. Now watch what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. And he said this, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or superior words of man's wisdom. I want you to take this and look at it in the light of today with many, many churches and many, many ministers that are actually speaking with eloquency of speech and superior words of man's wisdom and actually waiting for applause after they say something. We have to come to the place whether are you a preacher or are you a performer? Are you a preacher or a motivational speaker? Maybe you might be in the wrong vocation. Come on, hello somebody. I mean, any time when you pause and you wait for somebody to clap after you said some kind of words of wisdom, that's when you get yourself into trouble. Come on, hello, somebody. You have to be very, very careful in who gets the praise. Come on, somebody. Amen. You just might have your reward already. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellent speech or superior words of mercy, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to show you something that's very powerful. Listen, I stay in my ready room, and I don't meet a lot of people that come to church on Sunday morning for this reason and this reason alone. I don't want to know your problem. She keeps a lot of the issues from me. Why? Why? Why doesn't she tell me a whole lot about what's going on in the church with individuals? So that when the anointing comes, I can minister you to the Word of God. And it's not out of my head knowledge, because I know what's going on in your life. It'll be by the Bible. It'll be by the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost speaks into your situation, honey, guess what? Things are about to change. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Now, I studied that out. I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean weakness and fear and much trembling? Now, you have to understand what he just came out of. Prior to this, he was just stoned to death and he was risen from the dead. Did you know the Apostle Paul was stoned to death? Yeah, he was stoned to death and his disciples surrounded him and raised him from the dead. Come on, hello, somebody. So I guess if you've got people throwing rocks at you, you, there might be just a little bit of fear. Praise God. Amen. Come on, hello, somebody. They're trying to kill you. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech, watch this. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What? What? In demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me read to you out of the Amplified. It says this. As myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony, the evidence, and the mystery, and the secret of God concerning what He has done through Christ for the salvation of men. In lofty words of eloquence and human, human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, to be conscious of nothing among you, except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Him crucified. 
And I was passed into a state of weakness and fear and dread, great trembling after I had come unto you. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. A proof of the Spirit and the power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds and the hearers of most holy emotions. I would say this. If this coming Sunday in all the churches, no matter what denomination, from Catholics to Baptists to non-denominational, you name it, and there was a display of the power of Almighty God that hit every congregation in the United States of America, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if there would be people that would hit the altar in repentance or running out the back door in fear. I believe that there will be a day. I believe there will be a day. Because he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That means denominational flesh. That means Methodist flesh, Presbyterian flesh, non-denominational flesh, Baptist flesh. I will pour out my spirit. There will be a display of the glory of God. We know that the book of Ephesians says that he's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We see that in the word of God that the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I can, I'll tell you right now, before that great notable day of the Lord shall come, there will be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. We see that in the book of Acts. It says that the sun shall be turned into darkness and moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. I will show signs in the heavens above and wonders in the earth beneath and blood and fire and vapor of smoke, right? Is that what he said? Yeah. So we know that something is on the horizon. We know that a stirring has already begun. When you start hearing preachers talk about the move of God, when you start hearing preachers, come on, those that are connected in the lineage of the disciples. Come on now. Those that don't have a form of godliness, those that are godly. Knows that there aren't the form of godliness and denying the power of God. Listen, if you take the supernatural out of Christianity, you take the supernatural out of the Bible, then the Bible is no better than the book of Koran or the book of Mormon or any other religious book. Come on, hello somebody. You can't remove the power of God. And you can't trust in yesterday's manna. Come on, hello somebody. We have to have fresh manna from heaven. Now we know that John the Baptist was a forerunner. He had the message. As a matter of fact, Jesus said he was a prophet of God. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, I wrote on Facebook the other day, a true prophet of God always prepares people's hearts before they receive a message from God. That's what John the Baptist did. That's where I got it from. John Baptist was a prophet of God like no other. Come on, hello, somebody. As a matter of fact, he was the prophet Elijah in spirit. Hello. And Jesus said there will be no other one like him. But he was a forerunner, so therefore he prepared the hearts for the word, the message. Who's the word? Jesus. So he prepared people's hearts for the word, the message to come. It is not that complicated. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. So therefore when you start hearing about Jesus is coming, you start hearing he's coming soon. When, you, when people's hearts are prepared, that's the reason why when Pastor Rodney came back in the late you know, 80s, 
early 90s, like it was in 1989, I think it was, or 1988, up in upstate New York. God said this to him, I want you to go to America and prepare the churches for the coming Revival. It's the message. Preparing the church. Preparing the hearts of the people to receive a move of God. Oh, hello, somebody. Come on now. So if the preacher starts saying, come on, it's time to get back to church. Hey, it's time to start tithing. Come on, start reading your Bible. Start soul winning. Go on mission trips. You know that God is preparing the people's hearts. Because it will be a very sad day when the rapture takes place. And everybody's sitting there that didn't make it. Well, I thought, I thought, I thought. I wish I should have, could have. Aren't you tired of the wish you should have, could have in your life? Hello, come on now. I wish I should have, could have. Oh, hallelujah. I wish I should have, could have. So you start proclaiming. When you start hearing preachers proclaiming, He's coming soon. You start hearing preachers proclaim the move of God. You start hearing preachers proclaim revival. It's coming. A tsunami is coming. You can know that that is a message to prepare people's hearts. But here's the deal. Sometimes what happens is people's hearts are only 30% retention, 60% retention, and some will be 100% retention. Can you say of the word? You, that, you know that 30, 60, 100 fold? That's not about finances, folks. No, it's about the word. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Some fell on stony ground. Some fell on, you know, fell in the weeds. Some fell in soil. And then he goes on to say, so therefore, the 30, 60, or 100 fold does not have to do with finances. It has to do with the amount of word you're working in your life. Some are only 30%. Some are only 60%. Some apply 100%. There are only 30% ministries that preach the word. There are 60% ministries that preach the word. And then there's a... <laughs> Man, I'm, it's, it's bubbling. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's bubbling. It's bubbling up. Praise God, there are 100% that preach the word. Amen. It's, it's the producing... That parable is the producing of the word of God in your life. Listen, Jesus said, I will make the crooked path straight. That means every doctrine that's off, he's going to make it straight. Can you say amen? Every person that's off is going to make it straight. He's going, listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. They can try, but it's not going to succeed. You're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the victorious, the glorious, the head and not the tail, the above and about beneath, going over, will not be defeated. We've won the war. Come on now. We've won the battle. Amen. And the war is maintaining what was won 2,000 years ago at the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So therefore, God wants us to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. He wants each of you to be sensitive to His voice. Especially in this time and in this hour, that you're sensitive to your, your dreams that you have. God is giving dreams. I'm seeing these things begin to increase in the earth. I think it has to do with preparation for His second coming. I'm just going to tell you right now. It has, has everything to do with the preparation of this outpouring of the Spirit of God that will go worldwide. It won't just be in one region or another region. It will, everyone will have an opportunity either to receive it or they'll have an opportunity to reject it. Everyone. The whole earth will be full of the glory of God. So the gifts of the Spirit are to profit us. God wants you to have inside information. 
He wants you to know of the things to come so that you're not caught unawares. And we have that honor and privilege of God. Because those that are the sons of God and the daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And you can be led by the Spirit of God in these things. Can you say amen? amen. All right, go back to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Well, if he tells us not to be ignorant of something, that he gives us the responsibility to learn about them. I think probably one of the best books that you can give, it's a workbook by Brother Hagen on the gifts of the Spirit. You can order that on Amazon. I would order that book, that workbook. The Gifts of the Spirit by Brother Hagen. He goes into all the details about the gifts of the Spirit and what they're for. If, if he says, don't be ignorant, should we not be disobedient? Oh, hello. I mean, if he's giving us a word, listen, guys, I just love you so much. I died on the cross for you, and I just don't want you to be ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit because you need it in your life. Then, therefore, we should learn about them. So, therefore, we, we learn from those fathers and mothers of the faith that have gone on before us. That was tried, true, and tested. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. Amen. Listen, you can take Billy Graham's doctrine and take it to the bank. The man was true. He was tried. He was faithful. Even though he wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? John, yeah. Billy Graham was not filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you know that, Dr. Jack? Because I went to the Billy Graham Museum, me and my wife. Up there, I think it's in Tennessee. I think it was Georgia or somewhere. North Carolina, that's where it is. So we went, to, we went to his museum. I walked in there. I felt the anointing of God. You mean the Baptists have an anointing? Absolutely. I was saved. I was saved in a Baptist junior high school. Okay, careful, charismatics. Be careful. The Baptists will win the world. Praise God. Amen. They're everywhere. And they preach a good word, too. As a matter of fact, the Southern Baptist Convention, get this, get this, the Southern Baptist Convention wrote a letter to all their churches and says, we now embrace the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Uh, let me repeat myself one more time. The Southern Baptist hierarchy, the convention... The grand poobahs <laughs> have said and wrote a letter to all their churches. We now embrace the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence. <laughs> Speaking in other tongues. Yes. Woo. Woo. Glory to you talk about a revival. Yes. Now, I'm not sure about the missionary Baptist, though. I'm not sure about the first Baptist or the second Baptist and second to none Baptist, but I'm not sure. But I know that the southern Baptist, praise God, amen, they have, they have embraced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? That is good news. I, when I found that out, and I, I've known about it for a while, I thought, oh my God, there would be a major revival that will sweep through that denomination. I'll throw, I'll throw, did you know that there are already in Burma Baptist churches that like pioneered, I mean like what, 50 years ago I think it was. Well, it was 1800s, some missionaries, Baptist missionaries went to Burma. They are salvation oriented, I'm telling you, and very missionary oriented. I mean, I even told Pastor Marie today, I said, baby, I think we ought to become Baptists. Praise God. Amen. Be Life Family Baptist Church. Praise God. Amen. Amen. 
Not everybody's laughing. No! Don't do it! Don't do it. I think the Baptists are winning the world to Jesus. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now he goes on to say here, and we'll drop down in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now that's not being wise. The word of wisdom has to pertain to future, either now or a future event. And it may be unknown to you. It may be unknown to you. Now, this is what I usually tell people. I said, if you get a word of wisdom, you know, like this morning when I prophesied over Mike, okay, he did tell me afterwards, he worked for this company before, and they did offer him a um, supervisory position, but it didn't work out. But he recently was asked to come back and work for him because his worth ethic. What he does is he installs um, these screened enclo aluminum enclosures and he replaces screen, the screen panels on these aluminum enclosures and houses and all that kind of stuff. And he's very good at it. And so, that was, so I said to him, had they said anything to you recently? He said, no. He said, but he said they had offered that to me before when I worked for them and they did ask me to come back. So... So sometimes, remember what I said, sometimes a prophetic utterance sees the end. Come on, hello, somebody, and that may not see the in-between. Yeah. So then as I'm standing there, the Holy Ghost says, you need to go back to him and you need to finish that out. And what I didn't tell you before was you need to tell him this. And I'm like, okay. So when I hear the voice of God, I'll stop right in the middle of my message and go and minister to somebody. Why would you do that? Why interrupt him? Hello, somebody. He does a whole heck of a lot better than I do. Amen. And if he wants to move and he wants to touch somebody, man, just yield to him. And he, believe me, he'll get more accomplished at a church service than if we just keep rambling on. But a whole bunch of nothing. Praise God. Amen. I'd rather have him teach us. Can you say amen? amen? So a word of wisdom pertains to a future event. He goes on to say, To one is given a word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Now the word of knowledge has nothing to do with physical knowledge or something. The word of knowledge has to do with present or past. Word of wisdom has to do with present or future. Word of knowledge has to do with present or past in somebody's life. The Bible talks a lot. Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. That's where people get confused. Are you a psychic? No, no, no. The Holy Ghost. He knows everybody. Satan only knows a little bit of your future. A small bit. And the only reason why Satan knows a little bit of your future is because he's been watching your pattern today or yesterday. So what he'll do is he'll capitalize on the patterns and he actually falls into assumption, which is very bad to assume anything of anybody. But he falls into assumption based upon patterns. That's the reason why you should change some things up in your life. So he can't find you. Come on, hello somebody, amen. If you're used to always making a right when you go to the one street, decide to make a left instead. Praise God. Amen. Mix some things up a little bit. Come on. Hello, somebody. They, listen, there's not, demons aren't everywhere. Here a demon, there a demon, everywhere a demon, demon, E-I-E-I-O. They're not everywhere. God is everywhere. Satan is not everywhere. He's over in India somewhere right now. Satan is tormenting some Indian. That's the reason why he said, holy cow. Okay, that was bad. That was really bad. Right? That was really bad. 
holy cow. No, God is omnipresent. Mix some things up in your life. Don't, well, I just like order and I like a pattern. Well, we could tell. Because you keep falling into the same ditch every single week. Praise God. Amen. Every 30 days. Here we go around this mountain one more time. <laughs> break the pattern. I said break the pattern in your life. Come on now. No, not every winter you get the flu. Come on now. Every year I get the flu. It could be the bird flu, the swine flu, the horse flu, the dog flu. It could be the penguin flu. I did every year. Two weeks I'm on my back because I get the flu. Well, the last time I looked, you're not a dog. You're not a, you're not a penguin. You're not a, you're not a swine. You're not a bird. Hello, somebody. And I break that pattern. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. To another by faith by the same Spirit. Now this faith is not just ordinary faith. It's high octane, supernatural. It's like the gift of faith. The gift of faith is, goes beyond. The gift of faith every year the op- missionaries operate in. We operate in the gift of faith every year when we go on nine days. Because this is, this is where we're stepping over to. That for nine days, the house doesn't burn down, praise God, amen, while we're on the mission field. The dog, the dog doesn't, you know, poop in the front living room, praise God, on the mission field. Why are you all look at me like holding and stuff like that? Like, like your dog, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't ever make, my dog never makes a mistake. Praise God, amen, thank God Almighty. Amen. No, no, you believe in God that everything will be okay. You believe in God that you'll have a job when you get off the mission field. Praise God. Amen. Everything. <laughs> Come on. You believe in God. And then not only that, you're believing while you're on the mission fields. And you believe that God, all the bills will be paid. And you believe in God that people will come to church for the two Sundays that the pastor's out. I praise God. Amen. You believe in, you believe in that you'll have a church when you get back. Praise God. Amen. You know? Come on. I love somebody. Do you believe in God for everything? Believe in God for healing and health. That you come back healthy, you don't come back sick. That's the gift of faith. It goes beyond normal faith. It goes beyond saving faith. The gift of faith is when somebody's in a wheelchair and you don't know what's wrong with them and you reach down and you grab them and you pull them out of the wheelchair and they start walking. It's almost like you're a bottle and God unscrews your head, dumps you upside down, pours out all the doubt and unbelief, pours in high-octane, supernatural, you know, number 93 faith, praise God, amen, or 777 faith, and all of a sudden it screws your head back out, and then you run around like a wild person, and then, you know, and it lasts for so long, and then you're back to normal, and you're like, my God, what just happened to me? That's supernatural faith. And many of you operate, and we talked about this, many of you operate in the gift of faith, and you don't even know it. So what do you mean? Has there been a point in time in your life you're like, Everything you touched was to go like things were just snapping and clicking. And it's like everything's like, like, holy Jesus, this is stinking awesome. Everything's, man, God's answering my prayers. And then like a week later, you're like, you're back to normal and you're thinking, man, what happened? Did I lose my salvation? What's going on here? No, you were operating in a gift of faith and you didn't even know you were operating in a gift of faith. Some of you are operating in these gifts and you don't even know you're operating in these gifts. 
I wonder how many times you've had an impression to actually literally turn left instead of right and then come to find out that evening a drunk driver ran through the red light where you would have been and you would have been a victim of a drunk driver. Hello, somebody. How many, how many times have you had that impression? How about this one right here? You, 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 you're like, don't sign that, don't sign that, and you went ahead and signed it. Hello? And then like, like 24 hours later, oh, my God, what did I do? I just, you know, I knew I wasn't supposed to sign that. Yeah, what, what is that? That's the voice of God. That's the prompting of the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello, somebody. You, you need to become sensitive to that. Amen. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. I, I remember one time that somebody had a stiff arm, and I just grabbed it and pulled it. Mm. Pop. Some of you work the miracle. <laughs> you know, it's a working of miracles, so you've got to work it. Got to work the miracle. Amen. Gifts of healings. There's more than one way to apply healing. I mean, I mean you, if you've been around here not too long, I mean, you've seen me pray for people's backs. You've seen them rotate back and forth. You've seen me set them down in a chair and grow out a leg. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, those, that's the working of miracles. That's the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. A gift of healing would be go wash in the pool of Siloam after you got a muddy face. Come on, hello somebody. The working of miracles. Putting your hand inside of a leper who's full of leprosy. Come on now. Yeah. In the goo. Come on, hello somebody. That's the working of miracles. Walking in water is the working of miracles. That's the reason why we got a house with a pool. Occasionally I try to work it and it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. My grandson tried it the other day and Marie just snaps. Him. Well, you're not ready for that one. Praise God. Amen. Just come over here, son. Come on, Bubblicious. Stay away from the pool. If you want to, if you want to see these things operate in your life, you've got to step out of the boat and walk on the water. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. Can you say Amen. If you want to see people, you want to see the... How many want this, the blind to see? Okay, how about the deaf to hear? The lame to walk? How about raising the dead? How many dead people have you prayed for? I mean, I'm not telling you to go down to the local mortuary here in Plant City and say, hey, Mr. Mortician, pull out all the stiffs from the fridge. Why, why, why do you want me to do that? Well, I'm going to practice raising the dead. You're going to do what? <laughs> yeah, I just said, okay. Call Plant City. Police department, come on. I've got some guy here, you know. I'm not telling you to do that, but if you have an opportunity to pray for the dead, then do it. I've had opportunities. Amen. I've had three opportunities to pray for a dead person. Three opportunities. The first opportunity that I had was when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to a revival meeting, and there was a major accident on the highway. And a, uh, a guy was tra traveling on the interstate one direction, and there was another truck on the other side. Well, the truck that came on the other side caught the medium and spun around, and they hit head on. Boom. And I saw a guy fly out of his truck, out of his door, the door at 75 miles an hour, and ended up on the interstate. Okay, and so I was with an associate pastor, and we pulled up in a van. And I'm not kidding. We were for probably from about here to the door, and the guy was in the middle of the interstate. Traffic was stopped. Lights were on, but nobody was home. So I took my Bible, I grabbed it, I hit JR, and I said, Come on, we got our work to do. He's like, What? I said, Get out of the truck, man. We're going to go pray for this guy. 
He's like, you first. <laughs> so, I, so I walked over to him, and sure enough, he's in a pool of blood. I knelt down, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command his spirit, man, and I command the spirit of death to leave him. I command his spirit, man, to come back in his body in Jesus' name. Amen. And I kind of pushed him a little bit, and I got up and walked around. And when I walked around, my two sons, their two kids, the pastor's wife sitting in the van, the guy breathed and tried to get up off the ground. Then I went to the other car, and there was two ladies in the car. One was an, an older lady, which I think was her, maybe her mom. And I laid hands on the first young lady, and she was bent over the, the, the steering wheel, not breathing. And suddenly, when I laid hands on her, she took a deep breath, like that. And I walked around the other side and laid hands on this, this older woman on her chest. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God clearly like I'm speaking to you right now. Remove your hand. She's home with me. I was like, yes, yes sir. Come to find out, later they all three had died. But when, before we had left, I turned around and I saw about eight people around the guy on the ground. And the pastor's wife was in his ear, call on God, sir, call on God. Because the book says, Acts 2, 21, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So they had all died. But and I thought to myself, well, what happened? Well, you had an opportunity to minister Jesus to him. Come on, hello, somebody. At least he came back into his body to actually hear, call on God, sir. Come on, God let him back in his body. What? They live through the night. Yeah. And then like the, the third time I prayed, for, I mean the fourth time I prayed for a, a dead person. She was probably in her 60s or so. And I was doing a revival at a church. And the pastor said, hey, listen, today we've got to run by the funeral home. I'm doing a funeral in the next two days. And we've got to go by there. And make, you want to come with me? I said, sure. So he said, let's go to lunch and then we'll go by the funeral home. I said, okay, fine. So we went and had lunch. And all of a sudden, we showed up at the funeral home, right? When we walked in the doors, nobody was around. And we're like, man, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, we popped into the office. And the guy goes, yeah. He said, you guys can go ahead and go in there. So we walked in there, and sure enough, the coffin was there and all that kind of stuff. And we walked up to the coffin, and I'm standing there looking, you know, and I kind of made my way around this way so I could see the door. And I said to the pastor, I said, hey, you ever prayed for a dead person? He's like, no. I said, you want to give it a go? <laughs> He's like, what? I said, let's give it a go. I said, let me close this door. <laughs> so I walked to the back. I closed the door, you know, put the shade down. Praise God. Amen. He said, well, what do you want to do? I said, why don't we just pray in the Holy Ghost for a little bit? So I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Oh, so rabbi, about five or ten minutes or so. I said, well, just lay hands. So I put my hand right on her forehead. He put his hand right on her hands because her hands are right here. I said, Father, and why you? <laughs> I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command her spirit man to come back in her body. And I command her for her to live and not die. Proclaim the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And I removed my hand. And we're standing there and looked at each other and. Looked at her and said, well, I guess she doesn't want to come back. And then when I looked down, her hair, curly hair, they curled her hair, it was pressed in her forehead. And I went, I am so sorry. Praise God. I, did, I put, I am so sorry. I squished your hair into your forehead. I am so, so sorry. This is, you get ready to do a funeral the next two days, you know? <laughs> oh my God, who is your beautician? Praise the Lord. Amen. She didn't, she put, her, her curls are pressed in her forehead there, Jimmy. <laughs> Not good. You got to fix the hair before they have a funeral. See, so if you want to see these things, praise God, you, you got to go to the local funeral. Praise God, amen, and go in there. You know what's really funny? 
the last funeral we went to, we were invited to come to a funeral, right? We didn't know the person. We knew the people that were going to be attending the funeral. So we dressed up really nice and everything like that. And we drove out. I think it was off of um, State Road 60, the funeral home. So we parked in there and we walked in and all that kind of stuff. We signed our name with the book and everything. Oh, hi, how are you? There must have been about maybe 200 people, I guess, maybe 150 people or something. We signed our name and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking around and I can't find... I can't find the people. So I said, let me go up front and let me see who it is. Because it was supposed to be a female and not a male. So I walked up there and I said, oh, that's not the one. Praise God. Amen. And so, and so I said to her, I said, I said, we need to find out. We need to find out if the funeral is supposed to be here. She said, we already signed the book. I said, I know. I know, we're, we're good. So I walked up to the, the, the funeral procession administrator. I said, if so-and-so and so-and-so, oh, no, that's tomorrow afternoon. I was like, oh, okay. And so I said, we're in the wrong funeral, babe. She said, I know, but we signed the book. I said, just leave it. Praise God. Amen. Let's go. And so you know what we did? We went and had lunch. We were already dressed up. Praise God. So <laughs> So we spent the day together. We had lunch. We walked. I'm in a suit. She's in a dress and all that kind of stuff. It was the wrong day and the wrong person. It happens to the best of them. Praise God. Amen. You know. Amen. All right. We're almost done here. Let's continue on. Just a second. Okay. To another working of miracles, to another prophecy. Now, listen, the, the prophecy, <laughs> there's simple prophecy and then there's prophecy that comes from a genuine prophet. Simple prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Every believer can do that. Okay, but when it's prophecy from a genuine, in the office of a prophet, it actually comes to pass. And as a matter of fact, this is what happens in the office of a prophet. When a prophet prophesies over you, it accelerates things very quickly. Very quickly. Whether it's your finances or it's a job situation or relationship situation. When a prophet, because actually a genuine prophet is the mouthpiece of God. So it's, a, it's, a very, it's an office... That there's great fear and trembling in. Because if it's a false prophet, they're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And I would hate that day to go, you falsely spoke for me. Who are you? Who will not be a good day for that person. Because you are actually, and as a matter of fact, the prophet says, in the prophet's office, a junior prophet is actually a close friend of God. So individuals who go around calling themselves prophets, they're no more a prophet than a duck is a Delta jet airline pilot. <laughs> quack, quack. Here a prophet, there a prophet, everywhere a prophet. They put prophet on their business card. Come on, hello somebody. No, a genuine prophet. He's a mouthpiece. They also have unusual signs and wonders that follow their ministry. I mean, you, you look at the Old Testament prophets. I mean, they're like making axe heads float. Come on, hello, somebody. Turning turn bitter water to sweet water. Come on, hello, somebody. They're, they're, yeah, there's so many numerous things that prophets do. And, um, but God doesn't do anything in the earth unless he speaks through the prophets, unless he tells the prophets. So not everybody is a prophet. I have to be very, very careful about that.
So prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. We all have an opportunity to, do, to give those words. Okay? So, but not everybody is a prophet in, in, or the office of a prophet, but we can all prophesy. To another, discerning of spirits. It's not the gift of discernment, folks. It's discerning of spirits. It's not like if somebody comes in and sits down and, and they, they haven't had a shower in two weeks and they got ratted out clothes and they haven't been able to brush your teeth and all that kind of stuff. I just perceive that thou art us in a bad way. That is, that, is, that is not discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is the ability to see into the spirit realm. Angels, demons. Come on, hello somebody. Yeah, they have the ability to. And it's just as real as you sitting here, me looking at you. Come on, hello, somebody. Did you have the ability to see demonic spirits, angels, even Jesus himself? That's discerning of spirits. It's not, it's not the spirit of discernment. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. Now, there are, there's your personal prayer language when you pray in tongues, personally. Okay? There is the operation of the gift of tongues, which is for public service. And then there's the operation of the interpretation. It's not the translation. It's interpretation. Translation would be, if I say, no hablo bien su idioma en poquito español, means I don't speak Spanish very well. That was, the that was the translation. But if I pray in tongues, that's the reason why someone could pray in tongues or have a tongue in a service that's maybe two minutes long, and then an interpretation of that tongue could be five minutes. Hello. But here's the deal. You want to stay within the anointing. You don't want to come up short, and you don't want to go overboard. Come on now. And true prophecy does not bring condemnation. Come on, hello, somebody. No, it's edification, exhortation, or comfort. Like, just because somebody gets mad at the pastor or mad at some congregation members, they can't say something like this. Therefore, therefore, God has therefore left this place, and I have written Michelob on the door. <laughs> no, it was Ichabod. Praise God. The spirit, but they missed it up because before they came to church, they had a Michelob. Michelo. Praise God. Amen. No, no, no. It's, it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. You, you can't be in a service and suddenly there's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost and the electricity of God is on somebody. And when the electricity of God is on somebody, you may be manifesting in a certain way. Like I, I remember a preacher telling of a story where the fire of God and the electricity of God fell on a person. And all of a sudden their hands got kind of crumpled like this. And somebody walked over and said, thou card playing devil, come out of them. Thou card playing devil. No, it was the electricity of God. But because their hand was like this, they thought that they played cards. That's a bunch of hooey. Thou card playing devil, come out of them. Now listen, I'm touching so lightly on these things right now. I'm, there's an in-depthness of this. But I'm touching lightly so that you are not ignorant of spiritual gifts. So that you know that you can flow in these things. Can you say amen? Can you give me a few more minutes? Okay, three of you can. Praise God. Amen. All right. Just a few more minutes. We're almost done. Interpretation of tongues. If you give a tongue, you should be able to interpret the tongue. Amen. If you give a tongue, you should also be able to, to, to interpret the tongue that you give. And that's for public ministry. Your personal prayer language, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, is the evidence of speaking other tongues. That's your personal prayer language. Now, if you're in a service and no one can interpret, you're not supposed to give a tongue unless you interpret. 
Because it's the same faith that when you give a tongue, it's the same faith that it takes to interpret a tongue. And it will always be edification, exhortation, and comfort. Can you say amen? We should have more of that. I should give you more time to do that. I, mean, you know, I think maybe in the next few weeks we'll give you some time. And, and I'll just step out. And if I say something, maybe if somebody has an unction to give a tongue, I'll just go ahead and give it. I don't want to hear crickets either. <laughs> Someone has a tongue. I don't, hear, I don't want to hear crickets. Step out in faith. Walk in the water. It's okay to learn these things. It's okay to step out and do these things. We should, we should do that. Can you say amen? Yeah. Where are the tongues and interpretations of tongues? So if I go, Basso repe mandugijo, bambondoso grapala, itokone nanjikiri, bristinia, katadoye, paraso, barande, ala, so nono gabonde. I'll back you up, Pastor. Don't suck your thumb. Don't sit in the corner, cry, and whine. The best is yet to come. I've just begun. I'm not even done. Don't suck your thumb. Mene gondo vasebre bosha pando bandike iso rondo donjungo mondo bere vasana. For I am the Lord your God. And I desire to see the gifts flow. And I desire to do great and mighty things in you. For I am the Lord your God. Meme groba barrefe monsutara monjike. Paya tosa mondo ha ha ha. Bakatala sarana. I love you. I love all of you. You are so much my family. And I enjoy your laughter. And I enjoy having fun with you. Now, the Bible says, if there's a tongue, let it be by most two, at the most three. There was an example. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Can you say amen? amen? So it's not that hard. And we're not playing with these things. These are spiritual things. But we should be operating in them. Can you say amen? amen. All right. We're almost done here. But all of these worketh with that one and selfsame spirit, verse 11, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that body, being many, are one body also in Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free, we have all made to drink of the one and selfsame spirit. Can you say amen? So, I want to encourage you, you know, if these things are happening and, these, and there's a famine in the land and the gifts of the Spirit, study them because they're, they're, they're to help you. You can operate in this with your job, your business, having a sensitivity of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, did you enjoy tonight? Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Come on, let's just worship the Lord a little bit. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.